Amen. Good stuff. Old school today. Kicking it old school. Which is good. I like old school. All right, well, we, uh, we have a special uh, blessing today. Uh, let me take a little time to just talk about uh, our missionaries that we support that are fixing to move or in the process of moving to uh, Appalachia to minister over there. Where, where are we going to live? Do we know yet? So that will all become clear here in just a minute. Um, we are uh, blessed to be supporting the Funderburks. This is one of the families that we support monthly. Uh, they launched out on faith uh, about a year ago, and uh, I think it's when we started, right, about a year ago, S- supporting you guys. Uh, and if those of you that were with us, which is not very many of you, that were with us at the office space when we uh, initiated uh, or did our, our core group work, uh, they came one Sunday and surprised us, and we got to, to meet them and pray over them. But a lot has happened since then. Some of you remember that I, I took a trip uh, to um, to that area and met with these with three guys. There are two, two from Colorado that are part of a, also another ministry that we support, and, uh, and then another guy. Uh, he's from there too, I think, right? Okay, he moved there after. That's right, he wasn't there. But anyway, after that meeting, he ended up moving over there. Uh, but we met and prayed and sought God for a location for them to minister in that area because they definitely felt a clear word from God to go there, which they'll tell all this story. Uh, but that was this is the people that I went to see and went to pray with about that. So I, I don't want to uh, do a, give a long introduction to them. I just want to say um, a few things to, to get us ready to hear what, what they're going to say to us. Uh, when I think about... The purpose and the mission of our church, to lead people to know God, and to do that through abiding, to teach people how to abide in Christ, which is what? What does abiding consist of? First of all is what? What is it? Hearing God's voice, knowing, knowing, understanding his will, and then what? Obeying what he says, and then what comes after that? God-exclusive activity. And through God's activity, we come to what? To know God by experience. And so that is, is the, the number one principle of this body. It's what we operate in. It's what we believe. It's, it's what the Bible teaches from cover to cover. And it's never been easy. <laughs> uh, you know, some, all of us know it, or most of us know it up here. But to, to know that in life is hard. And, and we struggle even with just the very first part of just seeking God enough to hear his voice. Uh, pursuing God enough and it's not until some tragedy comes or some problem comes that we actually get on you know get with God and start looking and asking God what's you know how do we deal with this problem then we all of a sudden realize again that God can communicate with us in a way that we can understand doesn't speak audibly at least I never have if anybody has probably the Funderburks have but I don't think they have Uh, doesn't speak audibly to us but he does communicate with us clearly and it's amazing it's crazy uh, so that that's something that we talked about this last week at a group of men and uh, a couple of life groups. It's just, you know, there needs to come, come a time when we cross a threshold, we cross a line, and we just trust that. We believe it, that God is going to give us his will. He has to give it to us because we're not smart enough to understand it. We've got to be like kids and just say, God, you know we're like kids, and we can't understand when you speak, so I'm going to do what I think you're saying because that's what a kid who really loves his dad wants to do, right? So I'm just going to do what I think you're saying. Amen. God has been so clear 
uh, and so faithful to communicate. But once you get past that stage, or once you get in the middle of it, then there's going to be some challenges that come, that God's going to challenge your faith because he's going to tell you to do things that require more faith, just like he did with Moses. You know, he told Moses, remember, you're going to go and free my people. You're going to be my spokesperson. Moses said, they're not going to listen to me. God didn't argue with him. He just said, throw down your staff. Now, that's a command that Moses can obey. He had faith for that, throws it down, and God turns it into a snake. And he runs from it. And then God says, what? Well, God tell him next, pick up the snake you just ran from. And Moses does. He reaches down and picks it up. And we know he's scared of it, but his faith grew. When God told him to throw it down and God turned it into a snake, God exclusive activity happened. That's something only God could do. And then when he saw that, then all of a sudden he realized, okay, well, I get it. God, you're going to do it. I'm just going to be there. I'm going to be the one, but you're going to speak. You're going to tell me what to say. And, and then it was one experience after another. And then ultimately, the Bible describes Moses as somebody that, that knows God's ways, not just his activity. Israel saw God's, what's the scripture say, babe? God's, his activity anyway. But, but, but Moses saw God's ways. He knew God's ways. Israel knew God's acts. That's what it was. His acts. So they got to see what God did, but they didn't know it by experience. All right, so that's what we're all about at the gathering place. That's what we want. God is real. We're not about religion. We're not about having church the right way. We're not about doing the right music, having the right building. We're not about any of that. We're about knowing God. Everybody believe that? Say, oh, yeah. That's what we're about. That is the core of who we are. We want to know God. And we want to know him progressively more and more as we experience him in the hard things of life. So we have some, some wonderful folks that we've sent out. I've made a joke that it, you had to have five kids in order to go be a missionary for the gathering place. All right, so they've got five with them today. And, you know, Kenneth and Christy now have seven. And, uh, and so, and then the Butterfields, I told Will, they're fixing to get sent out because they just got number five. So we don't know where we're going to send them. Uh, but you go into full-time ministry when you get five kids at the gathering place. It's a rule. So some of y'all need to get busy. All right. Uh, you can tell people your pastor said to get busy, and that's all right. <laughs> so I'm so proud of the Thunderbirds, and, and I'm going to let them tell their story here in just a minute. But let me just say some things uh, that God's been doing in their life, just in a general sense, and in, through this body. They, they are products of, of our ministry. Uh, before we ever started supporting, Talitha and I poured into their lives, before they ever had the first kid, uh, they learned how to abide in Christ. They learned how to hear from God. They, they recognized the abiding cycle. Uh, back then we were studying experiencing God. is kind of where we got that idea. Then God re, refocused us through the abiding cycle. But, but they, they've been walking in that for years. And when you walk in that and God gives you some challenges, some big challenges, to obey those things sometimes, man, it's just, it's, first of all, everybody, even the most spiritual people in your life are going to say you're crazy. Anybody can testify to that? Done some crazy things? God's going to tell you to do some things that nobody's going to support you in. Nobody that's spiritual in your life is going to support you in it. Um, and so, man, I'm, this is their life. And, and this, they don't know what God's fixing to do, uh, you know, in this place that they're going to. They don't know. They, they pack their bags. They got all their stuff right now at their parents' house or in storage, packed and ready to go. They don't even know where they're going to live. But they're not in the place where they were living before. This is a transition. They're fixing to go find the house and move to the place 
where God has told them to go. Now, they'll have to tell you how that all happened and ways that God spoke. And for some of you, when you hear their story, you're going to think those people are nuts. Some of you are visiting with us today, and you're going to think these people are nuts. If they believe that's what you're supposed to do, I'm out. All right? But, look, there have been times in my life where I have doubted. I've doubted whether this is what God created us for. I read it this morning in Utmost for His Highest. You know, he's talking about how some people have, they're all about theology and theological ideas. They're all about following traditions and patterns of, of, of thinking and religious ways of acting. But God created us for a relationship with him. That's what it's about, knowing him. And this is just an expression of that. And it needs to always be that for us. We come together to worship because we know God and we, we want to worship him. Not because we like the church. It's because God, we, we love God, and God's called us to be together. When I think of uh, the Funderburks, uh, you know, obviously I think of, uh, well, I'll just say you're not obviously, but I think of two, two different people that have encouraged me in my, in my ministry and then holding on to this idea of hearing what God says and doing what he says and just letting God work out the details. I think of George Mueller. Some of you all know his story. He was a, he was a, a, a father of the faith in Germany who created orphanages, and his whole purpose was that he would prove that if he just did what God said, that God would take care of all of his needs. And I read his diary, and if you haven't ever read it, go get it. It will encourage you. I, I found it at the right time. God brought it in my life when I needed encouragement. While everybody else was saying I was crazy, this guy was crazy, legit, okay? I wasn't. <laughs> I was just starting to be crazy. But, but he was obeying God. He wanted to prove that God could take care of everything without us taking matters into our own hands. So George Mueller, he started all these orphanages in Germany, and God provided every need, and all he ever did was pray. He never asked anybody for anything. This is how his diary would read. This morning I woke up, and there wasn't any food for the, for the evening meal for, for all the orphans that he's taken in. There's no food for the evening meal. So we prayed and asked God, God, you know we need food for the evening meal. Total confidence and faith in God because this is the way he lived his life. That day, a bread truck broke down outside the orphanage. They got all the bread off the, off the bread truck. The, on, you know, read it, page after page after page of him just telling God, here's my need. And God took care of it because God loves his children. God takes care of his people. God is not way up there and we're way down here. He's right here with us and he guides us and he, and he directs us and he takes care of us. And as much as you take it into your own hands, that, that's how little your faith is going to be. But the more that you just do what God says and don't worry about it, then God takes it and you get to know God. And you get to know like Mueller did, that God's always faithful. He always provides. But you can't know that as long as you're providing for yourself, right? Now, I'm not saying don't go quit your job. Unless God tells you to, but you're going to hear the stories. Right? Sometimes God, look, God knows you're going to go there. And believe me, in the end of it, you want to be there because it's so awesome to know God in this way. But if God tells you to go there, then get ready. He's going to take you some places you've never been before. So I think of George Mueller, who encouraged me. But then I think of Kenneth and Christie, who all of us know a little bit better. Not all of us. No, that's not true. About the same number of people really know Kenneth and Christie, who... Uh, who came to our church, uh, well, they were part of, the, part of the gathering place before it was the gathering place, and we sent them to Nepal as U.S. two missionaries, I mean, as uh, journeyman missionaries, 
and they went to Nepal and served, and then came back, and Chrissy's dad was, had Lou Gehrig's disease, and they went to Colorado, and they lived there, and they began this ministry there and began to work with a group of people and doing uh, home church and, and doing a, a ministry to, to needy people there. Uh, while they were there with their father. And then they, one of the trips that they took was to the Karamajan people in Uganda. And while they were there, God spoke that not only them, but a couple of others would, would take their families, uproot their families, and go to Uganda, to this uh, native uh, town that had no electricity, no, very little running water, a couple of spigots every now and then. They got a house that had a spigot in it. Uh, but uh, huts... I'm talking native Uganda, grass, mud, huts. And and she went over there, I think seven or eight months pregnant. And some of y'all will remember when they came to the gathering place, Tioga, and we prayed over them and sent her out because this was the word they had. God told them that uh, if if the, the their people who were called by his name would humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways that God would forgive their sins and heal their land. And the land of the Karamajan was in, in devastated. No rains, drought. And that was the word they, they went and brought. And they did the work there. And we've been there. And we've, you know, our, some of our people have been there and ministered with them. But they went. And they, they had their baby in that kind of condition. And then they adopted two children from there that God put into their lives. Uh, phenomenal story after story. Just go read it. Williams in the Wilderness. Uh, most, most of you know about that, but, but that, again, those are things that we've been doing. So, so when these guys decided that they were called to go, they went up to spend time with Kenneth and Christie and the Williams family and the ministry that's there. And they're back in Colorado now. Uh, so they were up in Colorado. So is Camille, by the way. Camille's another one of our, uh, one of our friends, uh, friends of our kids. They did ministry together. And and it was funny that when Kenneth and Christy were here and we started talking about supporting them, I was on Facebook one day and Camille was saying, I'm go- she's gone to Uganda to work with the Williamses. And I'm thinking, what Williamses? I didn't even know she knew the Williamses. And so they got connected and she went to Uganda. And how long were you in Uganda with them? Just one year, okay. And now she's back in Colorado with them doing this, this uh, ministry in Colorado. Uh, so I think of the Williamses. All right, this is another story like that. And let me just say this. This is what I expect for us to be able to receive today. Number one, I want you to know what you're supporting. Uh, I want you guys to know how incredible this family is and what they're fixing to do. And we're, we will be going to support whatever it is God calls them to do, which they don't even know yet what that's going to be. They've been called to go and move and live in a place where our message is desperately needed. The, the message of the gospel and a personal relationship with God is desperately needed. It's a very religious environment. People are burdened down with the, with the deadness of religion, and they need a fresh voice, somebody to come in, and a family to come live and show them. Uh, and that, those, that's all we got as far as direction while we were there, was that they needed to be there. And then now they probably have fleshed out a little bit of that. But they don't know what they're going to be doing. And I want you to be encouraged by that. I want you to, to, to know what we're supporting and, and how you know, that the people that are behind what's fixing to happen in Appalachia as we pray. But then also, um, I, want you to, I want you to see yourself. I want you to see yourself. Uh, when, when, you see, when you hear these stories, I want you to see yourself in their lives. 
you know, my, my ultimate belief for, for this body is that God is going to make us ascending church and that some of you, maybe a whole life group, will feel called to go and relocate to another area. And it would be great if they weren't going to this area by themselves. And it might be that some of you will be called to go be with them. And that would be awesome. But that we would see ourselves in this story. Don't say, oh, those people are great. You know, wow, they really do have faith. We're going to support them. But say, God, do that in my life. God, I, or God, I'm not there, and I never could be there in my, in my mind right now. So, but I want to be. Make me. You make me a missionary for you wherever I am. They're going to go and do in Appalachia what you hopefully are doing right now where you live. It's not anything different. They're just going to go live for God there. They're going to be a light for God there. They're, they're a voice and a light to the lost and wandering in that area, and it's desperately needed. So that was a long introduction, but I want you to know what you're getting into, okay? And I hope, hope you guys will stay fresh, keep your spirit up while, while they're speaking to us. I, t- I just asked them to come share their testimony of, you know, just the details of what God did. And they do home church, okay, so, um, uh, which is kind of the model that, that we used in Uganda. Uh, it, it's a great model of how to do church, but they, basically it's, it's like a lot, our life groups are home churches. We, we treat them like that. You guys have a pastor. You have a group of people that meet together weekly. You do life together. You love God together. So I'm going to put a chair or two up here and let them sit and just get comfortable, and I want you to do the same, okay? Not get a chair, but I don't want you to come sit up here, but I do want you to get comfortable. All right, so we're, gonna, this is, we're in the house. We're at Life Group. I want them to feel comfortable. Uh, so you can dialogue, ask questions if you want to, and y'all just take your time, do whatever it is you feel like the Lord leads you to do, and we're going to be excited about it. All right, Zach, can we get a couple of those chairs off the end right there? All right, y'all come on. Y'all want to introduce the whole fam? wants to be in. That's right. That's right. My left ear is completely stopped up. Yeah, I can hear that because it's on this. So if I look a little slow. <laughs> it's because of it's because of my ear. I promise. All right. So, so here's we do, we do house church. So this is <laughs> yeah, what our kids are used to. <laughs> so, so what we thought we might do is, um, you have anything to say? Okay. Uh, what we thought, how we thought we would do this kind of tag team it because she's organized and will make sure that we get somewhere today. And he tells and, a good story. And I'll tell the stories. So, <coughs> so yeah, so Glenn, that was a really good introduction. Obviously, he had to take a really long time. He really had to prepare people. <laughs> yeah, it was like, really, these people are legit. I'm going to do a recap. Okay. <laughs> good deal. All right, so. He has something to say. This may make me nervous. <laughs> what? Um, there's a tactic. 
about a something tractor. about a tractor. Okay, thank you. So, God made tractors. He knows that. All right, so this starts way back in 2009. This is kind of a, it's a long story. We're going to do our best to make it short, but there's some really good parts in it that I think you'd, you'd like to hear. All right, go ahead. Oh, it's me. It's you. Right. So, 2009, which would be seven years ago, and Davey was um, a worship leader at um, a church we started or helped to start in, outside of Memphis, Tennessee. And um, we thought we would be there quite a while. Um, and then all of a sudden, well, actually, he got to the one point of his ministry, and he didn't really know where to go next. He just had the sense of, I'm not sure where the Lord wants me to go next in the ministry he was at at that church. And so he began praying about that. Well, sometimes God takes your questions and he changes your questions. You know, so you're not asking this question. He says, no, it's not really the question I want you to start asking. And so. Yeah, so the question was, I was the worship pastor. So I said, Lord, what do you want us to do with the worship ministry? Where do you want that to go next? And he didn't answer me. And so it took him it was probably about three months. He didn't answer and so the question changed. I said, well, maybe I'm being too specific. Let's back out. Where are you most pleased with your church? Where on earth? I got really big and, I, and uh, naively got really big and said, Lord, where on earth? Oh, sorry. Where on earth are you most pleased with your church? I can finish this. He said the gathering place. He did. <laughs> he said the gathering. Right. Well, after these messages, we'll be right back. And so... <laughs> And so I thought he would point like to Africa, some tree in Africa, you know, and, and say, these are my people. They're not perfect, but look at them worship. That's what I'm after. And he didn't do that. What he did was he started us on this Bible study in Romans. And we learned a lot about who we are in Christ, our, our identity in Christ, the things we had never learned before. And it took several months. And he answered with four words. He said, he said, where on earth are you most pleased? He said, where there is faith. He said, where he said I'm not going to point to a specific spot, but if you can find a, a group of people or a person or whatever that will do whatever I tell them to do, whenever I tell them, what I tell them, they'll believe it. What I tell them to do, they'll do it, and they'll just trust me. That's where I'm pleased. And so I thought, okay, well, that's cool. I don't want to get. So, so, so that, mm-hmm. That began something. I think he would want to teach us more about. When he said, where there is faith, we didn't know that that would be it. There would be like seven years lessons right. on what that meant. Um, yeah, so where there is faith, that sounds really like, cool. Oh, yeah, read the story of George Mueller. Or, you know, we hadn't heard of him yet. but At that point. You yeah. know, and like, yeah, yeah. But then when you go through it, it's a, like he said, it's, you really learn it. So, um, so that was the beginning. So as the summer came, I started to wonder if God was moving us. And I told, asked Davey one time, are you, do, you, do you think God's moving us? He was like, oh, no, no. No, I don't think so. Well, another month or two later, we knew. We, we came, actually, Yeah, we came down here and asked them one of many times that we would ask them over the next seven years, do you think God's in this? Do you, do you, is this crazy? What do you think? And um, they encouraged us, to, hey, whatever you feel like God's telling you to do. And so we were, it became apparent that we were done at that church, which was so odd. And so he, God had moved us times before. He would always move us from point A to point B in two months. He would tell us we're going to move, and two months later we were in place, in a new house, new ministry, everything's going. So I thought, okay, well, we'll leave, you know. And so we set the date to leave at the end of September. 
and I thought, by Christmas, we'll be in a new place. This is how it works, two months. <laughs> October, November, we'll give it till Christmas. We'll be in a new place. And so when we left there, we went to, uh, we had heard about Kenneth and Christie. They were in Colorado before they went to Uganda. So we've got this whole identity in Christ thing that he taught us that I've mentioned before. So hang on to that one. And then Kenneth and Christie in Colorado, we went and we uh, visited with them for like a week. And it was a great visit. We we saw a place called the River Center for the first time, and uh, which was not much to speak of. And we stayed there about a week. Everything was good. We came back home. I said, by Christmas, he will speak. And then after Christmas, I said, by New Year's, for sure. And then after New Year's, I thought, well, it won't be long. And uh, I was pregnant at the time with pregnant. number four. Yeah. yeah, she was pregnant with number four. And the Lord had told us, because I said, okay, great, where are we going? He, he would always tell us where we're going. He said, well, I'm not going to. He said, you just be like Abraham, and you're going to go somewhere I'm going to show you. And so at first, it's like, yes, this is so adventurous. Look at this. We're like, Abraham, this is so great. And um, so we. And then the money ran out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so the year had... before, God actually put it on my heart to save up a lot of money. And I thought, oh, great, we're going to like pay off our house note and be completely out of debt. It's not it. So I just saved up and saved up and saved up and never felt like I could put that anywhere. So we just had this chunk of money, and that was for us to live on that first year while I was pregnant and had a baby. And, um, and then that ran out, and, and so we just got deeper and deeper into this lesson of faith. And so that's when began the whole, um, cl- we call it the cloud and fire and manna <laughs> time oh, of our life, <laughs> where we had to learn to um, follow the cloud and fire. And if you remember the story, by day and by night, right? And, um, and we were fed manna uh, more and more, uh, like, by day, by week, then by day, then by yeah. <laughs> moment, you know. Um, so there's a lot of the stories. We actually posted our story on a blog if you, I don't know, want to read that. But um, You have a day. You have a day. Uh, so do you want to? Uh, yeah, so, it, you know, we left that church had uber good pay. And uh, we had, like, retirement and all these normal American things. We had, like, retirement. All our cards were paid off. The only debt we ever had was our mortgage. And, um, and that was, you know, going to get paid off. We had lots of money in the bank. And, and um, I think we had life insurance. Yeah, we did. That was fun. <laughs> and so <laughs> we had life insurance. We had health insurance. We were like Dave Ramsey poster children. Oh, yeah. And... Um, and so then God called us out into crazy land. And so uh, we thought, okay, well, we, you know, so we lived on our savings because here was the deal. God said, I'm not going to tell you where you go. I want you to wait on me. And that was the clincher. We couldn't get, get a job or just like, oh, we want to live this kind of life or we want to do this ministry. We had, it was this very much a pervading sense of weight in our spirits. And, uh, man, that got heavy. Um, when you claim God tells you to do something, you can't always foresee what that could mean. And so, well, yeah, the Lord, it was very clear. I want you to wait on me. You take, I don't want you to go get another, find another full-time job. Don't go find another full-time ministry. Don't go, don't go look and find your next life. I will show you your next life. And, you know, as jobs would come up, he would say, you can take that one, you know, that temporary, fix that fence or whatever. Or you can do this one, but that one you can't do. And so it was <laughs> this kind of cloud of fire, that kind of thing. <laughs> and that went on for, for years. a long time. For years. This, we this thought it would be years. a couple of months, and it ended up being years. And we're trying not to make this too long, but 
so you know we're living on savings and and I was like, oh, you know, God's called us to this. There's no sense in being scared about it. There's no sense in pulling back what we do. Now, we weren't really extravagant people, you know, but there's no sense in, uh, I mean, we didn't, we stopped going out to eat. And I lost 20 pounds. But, you know, there was no, there was, I'm like, there's no sense in getting rid of get these insurances. Acting out of fear. Because God's, got, you know, and uh, God did sustain us, but the, the savings went down. And so he brought us down. We, we had a little... We created a little company that sold stuff at the farmer's market. Excuse me. Silas, <laughs> you need to sit down one place or the other. Sorry, we got to work on different church meetings. <laughs> no, on <laughs> this chair or by Camille right now. Sit by mom or by Camille. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I guess Whatever. I'll do this privately. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is going to be more interesting than me, I'm sure. But... <laughs> So it, this went on for a few, for several years of this, and he kept saying, wait. The whole first year was me going to bed at night, every night, thinking, Lord, are we crazy? Is this you? Is this you? Is this you? Are you? Is this you? And it took him a year, and I finally stopped asking that. I thought, he has confirmed it. He has told us over and over and over and over and over. And every time we would think, we're crazy, this can't be you, he would always show us someone in the Bible that has done it and, and crazier. And so we would come back, and we would do another day, and we would do another day and another day. And so um, it got to where the finances were super tight. We had this little business that we created, and the Lord finally, uh, that was another time we called you guys. We said we were trying to expand it because if we could expand it just a little bit, we could pay all the bills. That's a really cool goal. God's like, no, that's not the goal here. We still didn't get that years on this. And we still didn't. So we tried to expand it. The sales cut in half and we called them and said, please come on your Harley and tell us what happened. And so they came. We didn't call anyone else. No one else knew. We would only call them because they were the only people we knew that would say, follow God. Everybody else said, would say, this is not God. You're crazy. But we knew it was or God. Or trying to bail us out. Or trying you know, to bail and, us and out. We, right. Because nobody knew anything about our finances. We definitely did George Mueller. We didn't tell anyone what we needed ever. And, and God always provided that way. And we read about George Mueller like a year after we were doing that. And we're like, oh, oh my gosh, this is so great. We're not nuts. Somebody else was crazy too. Um, so we would call them during that time. We thought we were going to make enough money. And, um, and then it all like we took the bottom step. fell out. Everybody else at the farmer's market was doing like better. We had more people coming and ours was not, and we just couldn't figure it out. Overnight. So we, we called them just not knowing what in the world is God doing or is, were we nuts? And, um, and they were like, well, did you ask God if you're supposed to expand the business? We're like, oh, we're like, no, no. <laughs> I thought that would just be, you know, the wise thing to do. No, doesn't everybody want to pay their bills? I mean, so it wasn't long after that I was talking to the Lord, and He said, "Look, you can either pull the bandaid off and just quit now, so we can get on with this lesson, or you can just let it die a slow death." So, two weeks before the market ended, I said, "Let's get on with this." So we quit, and we sold all the stuff, and I said, "Okay." So He He continued to to drive home this lesson of dependence, and we would have money that we needed and there was no way we were going to get it and then such and such would happen and uh, I would go to the mailbox I'm like Lord it's got to be around here somewhere I'd look at my ashtray go to the mailbox I'm like there's got to be provision somewhere and he would always provide it just in the nick of time sometimes late you know before all this crazy I didn't think I didn't think God would allow you to have late bills my parents never had them 
you know? And, uh, and so he blew that out of the water. And we, um, so one cool story that I want to kind of stop for a second and tell you this story, because Isaac says these stories are cool, and they are. Uh, there was one January, farmer's market was over, and we had this dearth of time uh, with no income. So we're like, okay, Lord, what are we going to do? And it was winter, and we just didn't know what to do. We were asking him about it. So we were praying about going down south. <clears throat> By this point, I think we had hit the point where there's not anything in the bank. Had we? Oh, yeah. yeah we were I there. remember going to the store for the first time and thinking, that candy bar looks good, but I cannot buy it. Not just would it be wise not to, but I'm like, once I buy this, this printer cartridge, there will be absolutely no money. There's not even a dollar left to buy that candy bar. <laughs> And, and mind you, all this is, and we don't even know why. It's not like he said, you're going to go to Tennessee and missionaries or anything. All he said was, you can't do anything. You just wait. You wait. You wait. And you after wait. years, you think you're nuts. You think yeah. you have really lost it. Yeah, lost it. But you can't. It's like, okay, you either, either God is real and he talks or my whole faith is shot. I That's mean, for right. us, it was really, I need to throw out the whole thing. Like God is not real. He does not exist or at least he's not one who talks with us, or this is real. And we had to face that over and over again, and we're like, I guess we're just going to go, like, <laughs> we're just, we're going all the way with this. This is God that's talking, and so we kept going. Yeah. So, yeah. And so we, we were, it was January, and we were praying about if we should go down south. We had a, uh, an opportunity for a short-term job there for a few weeks, and uh, asking God about that, and we had had a really cold week that week, uh, more colder than normal for north mississippi where we were near memphis and uh it was thawing out it's a beautiful day beautiful sunshine and my kids come to me and they say daddy we can hear water dripping in the living room and so i thought oh that's and so we opened this little vent we're like oh look at that little cute drip of water just bloop, bloop, bloop. where's that coming from we didn't know that on the other side of the wall there was just water gushing inside the wall coming out under the baseboards and just flooding the room we, and we had this kind of this fake hardwood floor, you know, made out of particle board that loves to suck that water up. And so, so I'm like, oh, well, let's go see. So we opened the door, and the water is just pouring into the room. You could, it sounded like you could just hear it going all into the wall. And um, that's when you looked at the storm. The what? Like Peter on the water, when you look yeah. at the storm, Davey's like, how are yeah, we going to pay for I completely forgot this? about God at this point. I was like, oh, my God. And so... <laughs> So we're like putting all the towels and all the blankets and everything on the floor. <clears throat> and I'm like, we've got to find this. Where is this coming from? So I go outside. It's not there. So we go up in the attic. <clears throat> we turned off the water. And we went up in the attic, and there was water. It looked like a waffle full of syrup up there with all the joists. They were holding these pockets of inches of water. <clears throat> so then I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit up here, and you go downstairs, and you turn on the water because we've got to know where it's coming from because I can't find the leak anywhere. So I'm sitting up there, and I'm like, Lord, I'm like, Grr. you know, I'm like, God, we do not have, there's probably going to be a deductible. We don't have money for the deductible. What are you thinking? We're asking you for help, and you flood the house. <laughs> <laughs> and so Laura goes outside to turn on the, the water. So she turns on the water, and it's this, like, this little pipe that they had, the people that built the house had forgot to insulate, and it was on top of the joists. And it was split. It had cracked, like, 10 feet long. It wasn't just this little, it was this crack all the way down. So when she turned on the water, it was beautiful. (laughs) It was like this water feature just (laughs) 
and this fan, and it would hit the, hit the ceiling joist and, and flow down and drip and continue to fill up these holes. So I'm like, turn off the water! And it's still, turn off the water! I'm thinking, this is getting worse. <clears throat> Laura comes to the bottom of the stairs, what did you say? I'm like, turn off the water! Well, like, I hurt my throat that day. I couldn't talk very well for the next day because I was so mad and I was so <laughs> yelling so loud. So she turned off the water, and I'm sitting up there, and it's like drip, 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 drip. And it's soaking into the seat rock, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. So anyway, so we, we, so, we threw out insulation, soaked up what water we could, and we called the insurance people, and they came out, and they gave us the rundown, you know. It'd be $1,000 deductible, and I'm like, <laughs> There's no, there is no $1,000. And uh, they're putting, you know, they're, they're taking care of the business so that the house is not falling apart. But I'm thinking, how are we going to do this? And he starts telling me all the things that they need to fix. I'm thinking, sheetrock's going to have to be torn. I am not a sheetrock person. I can, I can relay, lay the floor. We laid the floor the first time, and the plumber let the <laughs> toilet overflow. So we had already put the floor in twice. So I thought, I can relay the floor, and I can paint. But that's about the extent of my... Ability. I can put insulation up. So the guy comes and he tells us, "Well, this is what's going to be. This what's going to. This is how much the insurance will pay." Blah 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 blah. He said, "These are the repairs." He said, "You're going to have to do some repainting. You're going to have to replace the floor." And what was the other thing I just said? Insulation. And you, yeah, there's some insulation that's going to have to be changed. And I thought sheetrock. And he said, "No, sheetrock's fine. You're not going to have to do anything with the sheetrock." And I said, "I can do all those things." Can I pay myself to make the repairs? And he said, sure. So we... <coughs> so we, we really paid. made good money on that, too. Yeah, we made good money <laughs> on that venture. And uh, the kids could help. And so that was another thing. I wanted my boys to be able to help whatever work we did. And so we were able to use that insurance money to pay ourselves to fix our own house. And it covered the deductible. So... So we flood your house. So if God floods your house in answer to your prayer, it may be... Provision. And it was. That work and that income was provisioned for what, month. a month. Yeah, it was yeah, a whole easy. month's worth of provision and, and work for us. So that one was pretty crazy. Didn't see Creative. that one coming. So that he did stuff like that, not quite that dramatic, but always oh, no. just like almost daily. We did have several. Yeah, we did have several. Dramatic. But it was almost but, daily this cloud and fire and this manna, eating mm-hmm. this manna that was just enough. Yeah. to cover what we needed. Yeah, we constantly had, we had a, you know, $4,800 bill all of a sudden at one point, and then um, where are we going to get this money? You really feel like you need to go get that job. But yeah. you have to stop and say, no, you have to choose this is God and obey again. And then, what do you know? We had land we didn't know about that sold, and we got that $5,000 check the day before. We, we had some land it, that was think, given to us. You know? We made a few improvements so, to it. And so the family wanted to know if we would deed it back because we weren't going to use it, which was fine with us. And we said yes. And they said, do you want any money? And we said, no, it was given to us. But they insisted on paying us for the improvements. We owed $4,800 in the business stuff. We had bought some grain and stuff like that. And we needed something else. Uh, tea with dentist. It was a dentist bill. We're like, Lord, please. And they called and said, we want to pay you for the improvements. And here's a check. And it was a $5,000 check. Which covered the forty eight hundred plus two hundred for you know groceries and gas and stuff like that. So it was constantly manna. We constantly told God what we needed, and He provided that. And um, there's story after story on that. And then, and then we um, we hit the Red Sea. And for us, it felt like um, we had come to the Red Sea. 
Do you want yeah, to God started giving us this, this parallel between our story and the Israelites. You know, they came out of Egypt and everything was great, and, you know, and then they hit a Red Sea. They're following God, expecting everything to be smooth, I'm sure. And uh, then they hit a Red Sea of impossibility. So our Red Sea was, I don't know how many years into it. About three. About three years into it, we missed our first house payment. Mm. I'm like, oh, Lord. Really? You know, we had already been... Um, Going to the grocery store, I think, at this point with like eight dollars and thirty cents, mm-hmm. <laughs> we yeah. shut down the grain business, which we were doing. So we had grain. We had we could get forty pounds of sweet potatoes from the farm for six dollars for a forty and, pound box. Yeah, mm-hmm. for a forty pound box. We still had chickens and we had milk goats. So we had a little milk. We had our, our our eggs, and we would eat one protein each morning. You couldn't have milk and eggs. You just have one or the other. And um, we would go to. We had a little garden, and then we would go to the grocery store. I would write down what we needed, and I'm like, all right, this is our budget, $8.31. Like, oh, my goodness. So I would start looking at the list and finding out what we absolutely had to have. And the toilet paper weeks were the big weeks because toilet paper was expensive, and uh, paper towels, thing of the past. We even tried to get rid of toilet paper. We stripped up T-shirts, so we won't tell you. I'm going to that. We we were trying hard. We would save the toilet paper for the really important stuff. Um, So we tried. tried. No embarrassment here. So too too much information. But hey, some of you may have to. You'll you'll want this information one of these days. so anyway, we couldn't pay the house note, and I thought the Lord's going to come through. He will miraculously do that, and second month, he will surely come through. Third month, we missed it. Surely he will come through. And the fourth month, the bank made sure we knew he hadn't. And so we, uh, so I thought, he's not going to let this go into foreclosure. There's no way. And of course, all this at time, every point, we're like, is this God? Is, is this God? God? Is this, this can't God? Be God. Is this God? He cannot do these things. God would not do these things. And then we remembered that he told Abraham to go kill Isaac on the mountain. And we're like, wait a minute. He shouldn't Can't be able to do that, that either. <laughs> and so, uh, so we kept just inching along and uh, got the foreclosure notices, learned all about how that works. And I, we asked the Lord, and no, nobody knew. Family still didn't know. And they lived next door. And so we asked the Lord, this is another story we'll tell real quick. But we asked the Lord, uh, started asking if you're going to foreclose. No, if you're not going to foreclose then would you, would you please stop the foreclosure before it goes in the newspaper? Because there's a time that it goes in the paper and says, hey, this house is for sale. And because we didn't want... Last time? Yeah. Okay. We didn't want people to read it and say, oh, well, that's what's up with Avi and Laura. They said, God, let them out here. And now he's going to, you know, he's, he's, he's letting them... They, they were crazy or he was not faithful. And uh, I really didn't want either one of those to be going around town. So we asked that he would stop it before it went in the paper. Long story short, we needed three things. We needed um, enough money to stop the foreclosure. We needed someone to say they were going to buy the house so that we could not do this again and again, you know, always getting in foreclosure. We need... Go ahead. Go ahead. And we needed some help... To pay the house to notes. Ha- to pay the house notes because we had no way of doing it. And so... We didn't ask anybody Actually, for help. What your parents had said, we'll, we'll get you out of foreclosure. We'll pay the back notes on it. Because um, we felt like we had to tell them. That. We, yeah, we when it got really them. close that they were like, you're going to fix and leave your house. We're like, we should probably tell your parents because they live next door. Yeah, it was like two weeks before the, the foreclosure. We finally told my parents. And, and Yeah. And then that's when I said, well, we'll bail you out if you have someone that will buy the house. 
because we can't sustain you. And so we're like, okay, you know, but we were just, we were just going to foreclose because we didn't want them, you know, we, we had a lot of pride. We didn't want anybody to bail us out. And so, um, well, and part of it too was this was God's deal. He needs to do this. We didn't go, we didn't, we never got on unemployment or food stamps or anything like that because we were following God and he said this was his deal. So I'm not going to go ask the government to pat us while God does something, you know, and, uh, we didn't so, have a piece about that. Yeah, we just didn't have a piece about that. And so we um, and we never asked our parents or anybody either because the Lord was going to do this. So they, we need someone to back pay the notes, to pay um, future notes until someone could buy the house, you know, and someone to buy the house. And so... So the Lord put all that together. Yeah, without like, us even realizing without that. Us, we didn't realize we needed yeah. those three things until after the three things were there. So we had... So parents. We, yeah, so we agreed. We said, okay, Lord, well, we'll do it this way. He said, these are my provisions. I said, okay. So my parents, my mom brought by the check that day, and mm-hmm. I cried like a baby because I did not want to take this check. And I put it on the computer uh, keyboard, and I'm like, Lord, I don't want to do this. This is not, why don't you just do this without involving other people? Why don't, and, and, and I was kind of pacing the floor of the kitchen because I was having trouble with this. And I passed by the check one time, and the Lord said, that's my provision, and if you pass by it, you're missing it. You're missing what I'm doing. This hasn't, it's not. So we took the check, did it, and. Uh, All while we don't have a job, you know, an official job. Nuts. <laughs> yeah, and how some of you may be feeling towards me at this point, that's how I felt about myself. It's like, are you nuts? What kind of irresponsible loser are you? You know, so we had, oh, it was. Yeah, that's what was so hard. But here's the deal. Here's what the Lord did on the, the, first, the first foreclosure. Uh, on the foreclosure. The Lord, I, I sent that in. We, we overnighted it to the attorney's office. And I called them. I said, did you get the check? She said, yes, I got it at 10 o'clock this morning. And she said, you know, it's a good thing I got it because at 12 o'clock, I was going to put it in the paper. So the foreclosure never made it to the paper, but it got there the day of. So the Lord honored our prayer in the midst of all that, that he wouldn't even let it go in, in, in the paper. Yeah. So that's one. And then, so that rocked on into the summer. And the spring that happened, it rocked on the summer. And then um, at the end of the summer, <clears throat> um, the people who said they were going to buy our house say, we really can't buy your house after all. We can't sell our house. We've tried for several months and we can't buy your house. Friends of ours, great people. And... Um, and then the person who was paying our house note, who had offered that, and that's a long story, but anyway, he said, I can't pay. I can only pay like one more month, and that's it. And so we knew all that was coming to an end. So we were, you know, and, um, and we're, we're like, I'm going crazy from having no plan. I love a plan. I love the plans. And uh, a goal, I'm all about a goal. And there's, there's just no goal. It's just wait. That's just, you know, so I am, I am fighting and kicking. Oh, and yeah, oh, yeah. In the midst of all this, also God told us to have a baby. And we threw that in there. Our friends say, man, when you really do something, you really do <laughs> So in the middle of all that, God told us it's at one point clear. separately that it was time for another baby. And, and we both said. something like that, I would think this is the grand finale. Oh, just keep He's going. gonna test our faith. We'll have a baby in the middle of this, and he'll say, "Very good, you have done your, you know." No, so he, both of us separately, we told both we both told God we're not telling the other one. You're gonna have to tell him. <laughs> so three days later, we find out we made a joke about, "Yeah, let's throw another one in here," and we found out the other one was that you could tell there was more meaning behind that. We both found out that God had told the other one a few days before, you know, one of those things. So, so we get pregnant during the middle of all this foreclosure, you know, made our parents real proud foreclosure. I know the baby coming. And, um, 
And then, so in that summer, um, I'm pregnant. We can't afford to have a doctor or a midwife. I mean, like, we're thinking we're just going to do like Christy and Kenneth did, you know, when they would do Uganda and catch the baby in the hut. You know, we had at least a house and running yeah. water. And, um, and we just, we were just tired of waiting. We were, so we were really low that summer. Money was still very tight. And we felt like a trip to my parents may be a good idea. And so we began to pray for so, um, the $90 that we needed because it yeah. took $90. We thought $90, we can get gas to my parents. And I don't know how we're going to get back, but we just need $90 to get there because we had learned at that point you only need what you need right now. <laughs> yeah. You don't need the You don't need part. money to get back. Yeah. You just <laughs> We had figured out that to go to the library was $1 of gas. To go to, the, to go to the grocery store was $3 gas. And our gas tank was always on E all the time. And we would go down. I remember one. I remember putting like a dollar fifty in the in the gas tank. And one time, I just took my ashtray that had the leftover change, and I took it in there. And I dumped it on the counter. I said, "Whatever this is, that's how much gas I want." <laughs> so he just counted it for me, and I got my gas. Um, but that summer was really, really hard. Cat food. And- yeah, and so we were. We were so tired and so raw, and so we needed. We were going to take a trip to our parents. So we prayed and asked the Lord. We said, well, "Lord, we need ninety dollars in gas, and we need cat food because we had cats that ate our scraps, and that's all they ate." And so we said, "We need cat food for the cats while we're gone, and we have auto insurance that's going to expire the day we leave. So it'd be nice to have insurance." And we said, the kids really like fruit on the trip. And it's been a while since we had fruit. Could we have fruit for the trip? We just threw that in there. So we just threw that in there. That was a little extra, a little sparkle on the top. (laughs) And so we we had $87 in the bank somehow. We had $87 in the bank. We're like, Lord, we need three more. After we prayed for that, yeah, we kind of gathered up. You kind of gathered up $87. So we needed 90. And uh, I was teaching piano lessons out out of our house at that time. And she came by and she said, do you have any eggs for sale? And she said, sure do. And she said, how much is it? We, the going rate was $3. So that was the $3 we needed. So now we have $90. Still need cat food, fruit, and insurance money. So, but we were going anyway. We had the at, yeah, at the same time, yeah, I walk out that day and the van tire is going flat. Oh, yeah. The that. van tire went flat. I'm like, I don't ha- Lord, I don't have. If we spend that money on that, we're not going to be able to go. Anyway, so we went and got the van tire fixed and the guy said oh don't worry about it man you go on he knew nothing of our story of course so he fixed our tire for free i'm like okay good we're still at 90 dollars." and so we called a friend of ours who was moving and i said do you have any extra cat food we just need a little bit of cat food for while we're gone she said that's the reason she said i was wondering she's a christian too she said i was wondering why when i went to the dollar store all they had was this huge bag of cat food and she said, she we're was moving. moving. She, only she said, bit. we're moving next week. I don't need all this cat food. I'm going to have to get rid of it. Do you want it? I said, yes. We will take the cat food. So that's the next thing checked off our list. And then that night, the night before we left. I was packing lunch for the trip. Yep. And some friends of ours who knew we were crazy and who, who were like so wise and dutiful. I don't know why they stood, stayed with us. But they, they brought this basket over. And they said, you know, we want to give you this. Happy, thanks- happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. I was like, who does that for Thanksgiving? She's like, there's a happy Thanksgiving basket. And so they, they set it on the counter. And I'm like, oh, that's so nice. That's so nice. I turn and I look in. I was like, there's a fruit. They had given us a whole basket of fruit. They had no idea. Nobody knew. Our parents didn't even know what we were praying for. So they gave us this whole bag of fruit. 
We said, oh, love you too. And they left. And I looked and there was this little card. So I opened the card and there was a check for $500. Which, which, yeah. which the next day as we're driving uninsured, <laughs> we'd stop by the bank, deposit it, and I call and pay the car insurance. So all four of those things came together. And that's the kind of stuff he did over, over. and over and over. So he's still being faithful at this point. Now we're rolling that, but this time we're like smiling. Yeah, we're like, oh, this is so much fun. (laughs) And uh, on good days. On good (laughs) days. There are some days. And so we went to her parents. And I'll tell you this part because you may find yourself there one day. This is when we hit bottom. You wouldn't think that after that great provision to go down there. But we get down there and we just emotionally hit bottom. It was just vacancy in front of us. No idea where the Lord's going. And um, we had been... We were just so tired. And I'm wanting to nest. I'm definitely a nesting instinct. Or late, yeah. Later in the pregnancy. She was dealing so. with bouts of depression. I was not far from that. And uh, it was just a really hard time. And so one particular night at her, at her parents, separately, <clears throat> we, bo- we both in our minds said, that's it. This is all I can handle. And we both, we didn't know it till the next morning. We came together. And found out we were both thinking the same thing. We had both decided. Both up all night. Didn't know the other one was out. That's without weird. the other one. That that was it. We quit. I'm gonna go get a job. She decided she was gonna go get the job, and and whoever wanted to could go on and obey God. And <laughs> we're gonna get a job. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for mercy because we knew we would be disobedient. But we've got to get. We, we're going crazy. We can't do this anymore. And so we sat on the bed and we told it's each really other. Depressing. Well, yeah, it was really depressing. And so we sat on the bed and told each other our plans. And then we just started crying, crying. Oh, on each other. And we both came up from the tears and said, Where are we going to go? I can't do it. I can't yeah. even leave. I can't. We, we, we could. We were determined to leave, but even when we got to the bottom, we couldn't leave him. I mean, this was, this was the one who loved me. Since I was 13, I very vividly remember him and had walked with him closely since. And it was just, I don't know. It's like those movies when you start having flashbacks. And so you remember when he talked to you as a 15-year-old or whatever. You remember when he uh, sustained you through your first kid that cried. You You remember when your second kid was in the belly and everybody said something was wrong. And God said, no, he's not. Don't have him yet. And we didn't. And we put it off. And then he came out perfectly normal and you start remembering all those things and you're like, how can we leave him? And even and, just his presence. Yeah. Just couldn't leave that, you know. So we figured out, we learned that at the bottom, he's there too. And the cool thing was is he didn't change a thing. And he didn't, he didn't fuss didn't, at us down there. No, he didn't fuss at us. He didn't. I pictured him, the picture I have is of him sitting there and if we would let him maybe patting her hand, saying, I know, I know. And we're like, oh, it hurts, I know. It was just compassion I know, there. I know. And he didn't change a thing. Circumstances didn't get any better. <laughs> didn't, didn't give us any money, nothing. But he was there, and we figured out we can't. How are we going to? That's all we wanted him? was him. And we said, okay. So. I was like, if I go completely insane and you stick me in an asylum... If I just have this baby and can't take care of it because I'm so out of it, okay. I would rather have him and be that nutty person in the corner with the white jacket on. <laughs> then, you know, I'd rather have him than my sanity. And um, 
And so we stayed. And nothing changed, which I'm so glad. I'm so glad for that point. I'm glad he brought us there. And I'm glad we were able to know that all we wanted was him. You know, I'm glad to know that feeling. And, um, and to know, yeah, I'm just glad I got to that point where all I wanted was him, not even my sanity. Um, so it was a, a good place, even though a really, really hard place. It was the bottom. So that's what we have come to term, the bottom. That was our lowest point. Um, yeah, I did not always respond favorably to the Lord's direction. <laughs> uh, but he was there, and he was good, and he was faithful. He held it all together. So well, after that, we asked the Lord, you know, can we have some money for a midwife? I did home births for the last couple of children before that. And so I'm asking the Lord, could we have money for um, a midwife, or at least a visit with a midwife and do a checkup? I'm uh, 20, over 20 weeks then. And before we left, and but asking a completely different attitude than we were before that bottom point with God. And before we left, the Lord gave us some money. Um, the guy who was going to pay that last house note said, you know, if you don't want to use this one for your house note, use it for whatever you need. That was the only one he did that one on. And we felt like that's God's provision for the midwife. And, um, and so we went back. I went back with that, which was a great gift from the Lord. And, um, and so, yeah, we went back and just continued to ride this weight and just, you know, to ride the weight. That's all it was. And, um, and have a belly baby. <laughs> so we're getting ready to have a baby, and we enter into our second foreclosure. Second you foreclosure, know. fifth kid. Uh, so, yeah, second foreclosure, oh. fifth kid, same wife. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, so we go into the second foreclosure, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, Lord. So we, here we go again. It was easier this time because we kind of been there, done that. And uh, so we started praying. God sent us this guy who was interested in the house. We never put a for sale sign up in the house, which was another intense conversation mm-hmm. that we decided not to. Put a for sale sign up. I, we did not have a piece about doing it, so we didn't. And We just really take the crazy to the limit. We're on foreclosure. Maybe we should sell our house. No, no sell sign. So we, so we, this one guy was interested, and we're like, yes, this is a large provision. And he said, but. And we're like, oh, there's always a but. There's always a but. And so he says, I've got to sell my house first. I'm like, okay. And we have so, like, we're like counting weeks. Yeah, we're like know, counting down the until days. the foreclosure's final, and we're in a, in a mess. And we had, the Lord, we forgot all this time that we had retirement money. You wouldn't think you'd forget that. Completely forgot I about it. I think God really, yeah. And one Especially day the Lord me, But he really kind of blanked that part of the brain out. You have retirement. We didn't remember. Yeah. And so the Lord reminded me one day, and I thought, oh, okay. And, I, and when he did, it was like, this is going to be your next provision, but just wait. It was a trash, a piece of trash in the trash can. It was a piece, a piece in the trash yeah. can. <laughs> and so I said, okay. So I didn't really say anything to Laura for a while. But anyway... Trying to make this short, the, the guy finally said, I think we're going to be able to sell it. I said, well, I'm going to have to get our money out of retirement to stop the foreclosure on your think because we were so close. So I got the money out of retirement. Actually, you didn't do that. I told you one day I remembered we had retirement too, and I said, do you remember we have retirement? Maybe we can use that. And, and I said, funny you should mention that because in the trash can. Uh, and so we got the money out of retirement, stopped the foreclosure, and he said, Yes, everything's looking good. So everything kept rocking on, and we're waiting on this inspection and that inspection. And uh, we had to leave by a certain point. I can't remember why at the end of February. Mm, I don't remember either. Now. Anyway, we moved out. Everything was looking good for the sale. But we moved out, and I can't remember why we had to leave at that particular time. We moved out. She was getting about average of four hours a night of sleep because our fifth baby 
was the worst by far, and he had trouble, and he screamed and cried all the time. That was the one that was sitting up here. <laughs> and so you know about that? Yep. And so... Uh, Four hours sleep. And I thought, surely not in the middle of all this, we're going to have a screamer again. Uh, And so he screamed and screamed and screamed really bad. And so we moved, and I remember uh, dollying the last piece of furniture off of the moving truck. We moved down with her parents in South Louisiana. I dollied off the last piece of furniture, turned around and wiped my sweat off, and my phone rang, and he said, the deal's going to go through. You're going to, the house is going to sell. And I thought, man. man. Uh, That that one was easy by then. (laughs) We're used to it by then. So we had moved all our stuff down there before we even knew that the sale was going to go through for sure. But there again, God took care of us and sustained us. All right, so this is, it should speed up from here. (coughs) So we're living with her parents. And once again, we're like, oh, three months, three months tops. You never learn. But. Uh, I started reading the Bible with the boys every night. And we started in Genesis. (coughs) The Lord had given us this parallel all along the way of us and the Israelites in the wilderness. Not after they disobeyed, but just, you know, following the cloud and fire and the manna. And so uh, when I got to Deuteronomy, the Lord said, this is where you are now. You're you're at the Jordan. You're not crossed over yet, but you're at the Jordan. Remember when the Israelites kind of camped out right there before the Jordan? Yeah, I thought, oh, this is awesome. Deuteronomy. We're in Deuteronomy, and I get to the end of Deuteronomy, and I'm like, they're still not across the Jordan. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so many chapters of being on the wrong side of the Jordan. And so, uh, but the Lord started giving us more words in the scripture then, which was really cool. And he told us in Deuteronomy 8, he finally started to show us why we had to go through this, what was almost five years of nuts, craziness. And This is what he said in bits and pieces. He said, "Uh, the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not, whether you would follow him or not. And he humbled you and suffered you hunger, which we were never hungry. He always provided, but it was, you know, it was lean sometimes. Uh, And I fed you with manna so that you would know that you don't live by bread alone, but by every word of the Lord. And so he says, and then he said, I'm not going to find it because it'll take me too long. But it's right here at the end of it. He says, and so I did this to test you, to prove you, and to do you good at the latter end. So that was his promise there. And um, so that was like in the spring of that year. Then that summer, it was five years, almost maybe to the day, five years from the day he told us to leave that that church a long time ago, Uh, five years, we went to this little church meeting and I led the worship there and this guy was preaching and he preached about Joshua leading the people across the Jordan and Laura and I both individually without telling the other one thought, is he telling us it's time to move on, to move across? And uh, so we got in the car, kind of hinted at each other. It's kind of like when you hold hands for the first time and you just do the little pinky thing yeah. and then you do the two fingers. Maybe they thing. didn't do that. Maybe, Maybe you didn't do that. Um, I do that. And so you gradually end up holding hands. That's the, that's the how the conversation went. It's kind of like, did, did, God, like, did, did God? anything, no, it was just, did anything stick out to you in that? You don't want to like give it and like uh, affect what they're thinking. You want to just, you know. So uh, did anything stick out in that meaning to you? Well, yeah, I think that, um, that part right here. 
And so, um, um, sorry, come over here. I'll let down. <laughs> I don't know what he said. Um, yeah, so, so we, we discovered that we were both on the same page, that we did think the Lord was inviting us to move on. And so we started praying. He said, are you ready to cross the Jordan? Yeah. That's the question we heard. So we started with, is that what you're saying? Are you saying, are you ready to cross the Jordan? We were just like, what? You mean, like, what? Really? <laughs> we weren't expecting it at all. Yeah, so I felt like the Lord called. He said, you need to pray. It's time to talk about this. You need to clear your clear your schedule. So I did. I cleared off any jobs that we had lined up that week. Gave a lady a deposit check back. I said, because I got to pray. <laughs> and so they were all Still like, crazy. whatever. <laughs> and um, so I sat on the front porch, which I'd heard my friend Glenn had done from time to time. So I didn't feel completely alone. And I sat on the front porch. And I'm like, all right, well, Lord, what do you, you want to talk about? So it took about a week. And Long story short, it took about a week, Moving inch by inch through the conversation. Mm-hmm. He told us it is time to cross the Jordan, and northeast Tennessee, somewhere over there, is where it's at. Northeast I know that's Tennessee. a big jump in the story, <laughs> but there's lots of confirmations in between that. And uh, I would ask him over and over, are you sure? Are you sure it's northeast Tennessee? Are you sure? 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 You know, and he would tell us this. He would tell us that little thing. He would bring that person. He would show us this. And uh, the last time... We went and took a trip. We talked to Glenn. We, we met up with them and told them, God, to tell us this. What do you think? You know, of course, they're always like, whatever God says. <laughs> um, so great encouragement um, um, to keep and going. So, yeah. so we took a trip. And it was awful. Yeah. It was an awful trip. Any romance that we may have had about the beauty of the Appalachians was sucked out of us at that trip. <laughs> there were bee stings and uh, cut feet. And uh, it, was just, it was just it was just, just a, a super trip. stressful trip. <laughs> And God didn't say anything. And he didn't say anything. That was the part. That was the thing. We drove away not knowing anything better than what we had known going in. I'm like, what? And so we, we'd stop by my parents' house. We, we, we st- yeah, we stopped at my parents' house. And we decided Memphis, yeah. it felt like it was a God thing. We're like, we are not leaving this house until he tells us something. There's no reason to go back to South Louisiana until he speaks. And so she locked herself in the bathroom, <laughs> you know, it was just, it, just to give you an idea, you know, in case you ever do that. Um, and so we stayed there until he said several things. Yeah, I think he kind of wanted that conversation. Yeah, he did. And he spoke several things. And uh, so we went back knowing this is where we're supposed to be. And I still asked him again, are you sure? And he finally showed me Deuteronomy 8, 7. It says, for the Lord brings you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. And when you look at a map of that area, there are more little blue line tributaries and little creeks and stuff than there are roads. There's all these little things. And so this land of brooks and water and, and valleys and hills, I thought, well, they're mountains. But the area that he settled our hearts in on is called the Ridge and Valley because it's a bunch of, it's just a series of hills, hills and valleys. So that was a big deal. And after that, I said, Lord, are you sure? He said, mm, no more. <laughs> He's like, quit asking me. This is where you go, and so let's move on. And so we did. Um, we moved on, and this was another. He gave us a game. lot of scriptures after that. He point. did. There was a lot of things. Was really there was nice. that one through Glenn with Elijah, and anyway, there was a lot of yeah. stuff. It was nice. And so I asked the Lord, "What are we going to do there? What are we going to do?" And this is the scripture He gave us, and this is pretty much wraps up what He's told us since then, and two, since two years ago. And He said to open their eyes. To turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins 
an inheritance among them which is, which are uh, sanctified by faith that's in me. And so that was the big that was the big deal. And so let me see. So then um, after that we got an invitation to come to Colorado and the Lord made it clear that that's what we were supposed to do for a year. So we went there with Kenneth and Christy. And what was interesting, you remember I told you at the beginning that God taught us about the, our, who we are in Christ, and he sent us to Colorado to visit Kenneth and Christy. Five, six, six years later, we go back to Colorado, and I work at the River Center, which was across the street from their house where we stayed six years ago. And we were in community with Kenneth and Christy there. And not long after that, they said, oh, we've got this great older guy you need to meet. So the 75-year-old great guy says, how about we meet every week on Skype? I said, great. He said, but here's the, here's the deal. He said, we'll talk about church planning or ministry or whatever you want to talk about. But here's the, here's the catcher. I want to make sure we talk about who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ. And we're going to talk about Romans chapter 6, which was the exact thing he told us, taught us six years earlier. It was exact, and all that six years, I never heard anybody else talk about that. And so I think it was God's way of saying, this is important. Yeah, he really stressed that. He fall. wrapped up that, our, our time in Colorado with that, saying, this is important, who you are in Christ, that you're dead to sin and you're alive to God. This is an important thing that I want you to take to North, uh, Northeast Tennessee. So that's part of the, that's the story that we're wanting to take to Northeast Tennessee, is who, who we are in Christ. All right, so we spent a year in Colorado. This is the end, people. This is uh, kind of like, yeah, sorry, this is the end. This is kind of like you get the gift already, and then he wraps it up. So after all these seven years, I kind of felt like that last year was just kind of this wrapping it all up, putting the bow on it. You know, he just kind of, I don't know, yeah. pulled a lot of things together. We really, this last year was phenomenal, I think, in wrapping it all up to prepare us for Tennessee. So thank you for providing us for to be there, because yes. it was really a phenomenal yeah, year. Yeah, because you guys came on God board work. at the beginning of the of that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a year for us to rest up. We were busy, but we had a lot of rest. It's been the first few months resting, which we really needed. And then God yeah. picked up the speed after a few months there, yeah. in the fall there. We started going into Colorado. We were still pretty, we still had Tourette's, you know, every time <laughs> it's like, uh, we don't, you know, we, we don't have quite enough money for this. It's like, Oh my gosh, you know, here we go again. And, uh, <laughs> we were kind of Overpeopled. We were just like we just needed our own space because we lived with our parents, which was great. But just we were just raw in so many areas. So we went from having Tourette's and really not wanting a lot of people close by to Camille, wherever she is, she's taking care of one of her kids. Yeah. Uh, to Camille living with us for a month, and then another guy stayed with us, and so we were able to like have yeah. people in our house. So he recuperated. <laughs> us we spent a lot. the first few months recuperating, and then in the fall, God began to to bring up. Tennessee and began to pray by a team for there and take trips there and it really picked up momentum but yeah so we, we took that yeah we took that that trip to Tennessee and then after that it's like the Lord I don't know he kind of wrapped it all up for me especially mm-hmm. and it's like okay you're ready let's let's do this thing so these are some things we learned in Colorado and the reason we tell you this is because give you an idea of what we think Tennessee is going to look like yeah there may be more but we just picked out yeah. some of the highlights um, these are some things we learned. Um, we learned about like the nuts and bolts and how the community works with a nonprofit. I worked part time for a benevolent nonprofit and um, went really well. Learned a whole lot there. So maybe we'll have a nonprofit. I don't know. 
But we did learn a lot there about how that works. Um, got some experience working with the homeless and with the poor. I used to be scared of the homeless, but I'm not anymore. And uh, the poor, uh, after these few years, were like, it's my tribe. But it was, uh, you know, and, but it was cool because I was able to tell a lady, you know, she was like, well, we got, I've got this much. I'm like, look, just tell me how much it is. She's like, this much. I said, look, we owe this much. It's no big deal. Let's, let's move on. So it was actually cool to see and she the felt camaraderie. She was comfortable. Yeah, and there was one point in the conversation. She said, well, it felt, well, you know how it feels. And I thought, oh, that's really cool um, to have that connection, to be able to understand some of what, what that's like. Um, the whole idea of being kingdom-minded, that it's not just our it's church. A term they used church. up there. Um, you yeah. guys have it. Yeah, you guys are good. Uh, <laughs> just this whole idea that this is not all there is to the body of Christ. That the body of Christ is real big. And to and kind of work toward that, not just to have it, but to work toward it. Um, they did a good job of trying to facilitate in, that in people. Yeah, other pastors, this, this leader in, you know, instead of keeping everybody separate. So we would love to be able to be a part of that. Um, they loved each other very well over there. There was so much grace over there for all everybody's glitches and hangups. And, but there was just grace that, uh, you loved each other in spite of that. And, um, uh, we got to watch God lead his church as a whole, just like he had. Have We've seen him do in individuals and in families. We got to watch him do that kind of on a church scale, yeah. which was cool. We did it in our own lives. You know, we had seen him move. And it's pretty cool whenever you combine those people. I know I've heard you talk about, well, we never got to be a part of that. Because would, Glenn would talk about it. And um, so we got to be a part of some of that and God moving in a large group. And so that was neat. And being able to trust that. So now, like, when we're heading to Tennessee, we don't feel like we have to control Anything. It's like God has got it. He is ahead of the church and he is figured out. Does way better than we do. So yeah. Yeah. Um, we learned to be intentional about relationships with Christians and with non Christians. To be there. Uh, one thing I learned is you just show up. You just position yourself where you can be around people and the Lord will take care of all that stuff. And so um learn to do that. Uh let's see. Uh, learned to mentor someone. Had a great guy that I was able to meet with every week. And uh, I said, this sounds great. Let's meet. Can we talk about? And I did what my 75-year-old friend did with me. Can we talk about who we are in Christ? So he said, sure. And so I got to do that for the first time, pass that on, and got to see the Lord really do some cool stuff in his life. Um, let's see. It's our job to plant seeds, not our job to go over there and stretch plants and make them grow. You plant seeds and you water them. Um, business is missions. This idea that whatever work we do, to do it with this mindset of mission. Um, to see people we serve or customers we have or, or whatever um, as part of who the Lord has us in their lives uh, for a reason. We feel like God wants us to do a business over there um, for our boys to be able to work with Davey and you know, one, just a, as an example, um, Davey loves, he's really good with plants, propagating plants, and um, that would also be a great place to provide a part-time job for someone maybe that um, Davey's discipling. You know, maybe wouldn't necessarily hire him because he's the greatest worker, but business is missions sometimes, you know, and as the Lord leads. And so we have a place, too, where he can not just see this guy once a week or twice a week, but he's with him all day for a couple of days or three days a week. Um, and discipleship can happen through that. So we feel like that may be an avenue that the Lord can Yeah, something like that. But I can also disciple my own kids 
because they can work alongside and I can give them pieces of the business, to, you know, as they get older to run with. And so they learn to work, they learn business, they learn all that kind of stuff. And um, we get to be a big part in their lives and their relationship with the Lord. So on that note too, our, just so they know, so our hope is to work part-time and do business as missions and then be able to, if he and I are both working, um, have enough money to have free time <laughs> to do mission work. Just whatever God has. I don't. I don't. We don't know. And, and I think by that, work, by both of us working, we're talking about like together. Yeah, um, on the job, on whatever. A, on, on a business, we've got a couple of little businesses started, and and uh, going to work on those when we get there. Um, and then this is almost. Um, we recently, as a family, were reading through the book of Joshua, and Joshua told the people. He said, "Now tomorrow, the Ark of the Covenant is going to go out, and whenever it goes out, stay back from it." It's crossing the Jordan. It's going to go out. It's going to cross the Jordan. Jordan. And you, you need to be able to see the ark and follow it because you've never been this way before. You don't know where you're going. You're gonna, you, know, you don't know how to do this. And that's how we feel. Anna, we were on the way here. Anna said, how long till we get there? And I was like, ah, it was a new route here. And I was like, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes. I'm not sure because I've never been this way before. And we were like, oh, never been this way before. That reminded us of the scripture. You know you're going in the right direction, but it may look, don't know what it's going to look like. You don't know how long it's going to take. So when people ask us, what are you going to do there? And we're like, follow God. <laughs> um, so that's what we're going. I mean, we have a general idea of these things. We want to be kingdom-minded. We want to encourage other pastors. Um, we want to mentor and disciple people. We want to share what God's given us. But we don't know exactly what that's going to look like. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad this is God's, God's thing. That's that so. God-exclusive activity we're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, so um, so, so just to wrap it up, we thought, you know, what if God really does speak to people like y'all and like us? What if the God of the universe really does speak? Um, does that change the way that you live or the way that you think? How does that change it? So there. He never spoke audibly, but I did ask him to. I would be like out South Louisiana in the dark. I'm like, Lord, any other time it would freak me out, but I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready, like right now, like go, boom. I don't think Just he thought speak. he was ready. <laughs> he didn't Just ready. speak right now, I, I promise. I'll, I'll be okay, I can handle it. He never did. So now we're excited. We, we do feel like it's come to an end of a journey. I remember um, after we hit the bottom, after we moved to mom's, my attitude had really changed and I had learned to roll and quit fighting and kicking and the weight. Um, I'm asking the Lord, I don't even know why, Anyway, I just remember asking the Lord, so how long is this going to be? And any other time I asked, he would never have answered. But that time it was, like, appropriate for some reason. And, and seven years came to my mind, and I don't even think I even realized at that point that it was God. And I didn't even say anything to Davey. I just kind of tucked it and, um, and kind of settled into that. And um, seven years actually is the end of the summer, um, end of July, and so we're actually at seven years. Um, when, so when God answered at five years, it was a five years, whenever God said, you ready to cross the Jordan? I thought, oh, I thought it was seven years. You know, just kind of back, oh, I thought it was seven years. And didn't realize it'd take two years to actually <laughs> finish the journey. Um, so it's been a seven-year process of starting here and then hitting bottom and then coming back up. It's kind of been this mirror image, cool journey of that and being restored. And so we feel like we're coming to the end of this chapter um, and so, and starting a new chapter of crossing, kind of like the Israelites finishing the wilderness and crossing the Jordan into a new. So it's still the same story of walking in faith, taking all these things we've learned. And just like he told them at the beginning, uh, on the other side of the Jordan in Deuteronomy, he talks all about, now remember, 
You know, he says that I don't know how many times. Remember your God or remember what he did. And, and so we feel like that's what we're doing. We're taking these things into, into the next land. So, yeah. So thank you for joining us in that. It's really good not because we're going to be by ourselves right now. We don't have anyone else moving there with us. We're just on our own. We don't really know anybody. We've started to make contacts. But it's nice to know. It's really, really encouraging to have people that you know are with you, you know, that you could call and cry and say, can we just come back for, you know, just people who are there. So we appreciate that. So thank you very much. All right, I told you they were crazy. Now, a couple of things I just want to I want to say to them and say to you is, um, you know, they have made it obvious, and God confirmed that in the Scripture of, of what it is He was doing in their lives over the last seven years. But seven years, seven years. Uh, at times kicking or screaming, at times giving up, bring them to the end of themselves. But God was doing something the whole time. God is not ever not accomplishing what he wants to in your life if you're his child. He's always doing that. And, and you know, I had surgery in 1986. <clears throat> had lung surgery. Had half of my right lung removed, two lobes out of three out of my right lung removed because I had a bronchial disease. And I, that that period of time was was, you know, that season was horrible, but I'd had pneumonia seven times up before that, and Legionnaire's disease, which is a very rare disease, all because of that lung problem. That moment, that period of my of my life, two or three months, was just so hard to recover. Uh, but it, and it was painful, and it was a lot of you know just just struggling through that. But when I came out of that surgery, from that day to today, I've never had upper respiratory infections. I have nothing. I have no problems anymore with that lung. I breathe fine. And it took a while to recover. And I just want to say, you know, God is willing to do the surgery he wa- that needs to happen in your life for you to be able to know him in the way that these guys are, are going to know him, not even know him now, but what, the way you're about to discover God. Your God has trained him. It took seven years to train. You know why? Because we go kicking and screaming the whole time. And we have so many different arenas or places in our lives that God has to take, has to clean up, straighten out, take out all of our agendas, all of our plans, all of our what we consider to be success. All that's got to go if God's going to do what he wants to do. And so sometimes it goes really, really slowly. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's been that way for me. It's been one piece at a time. I always, you know, hope that you guys and, and people that I minister to and mentor will, be, will get there quicker. We'll get to this point of, of surrender to God quicker, realizing God has a great plan for your life. Man, his plan for you is awesome. Get in it. Um, you know, and this, don't let this discourage you. <laughs> uh, some of you thinking, well, if that's where it's at. I'm not going there, you know. Man, there, it's worth every, every second of it when you get to this point. And what God's about to do in their lives is going to be incredible. So God has a plan. And, my, you know, as we close today, I want us to worship before we close. Um, is Kobe still here? Are they? Uh, so we, we're going we're gonna to pray and worship. And then here's what I want us to do as we pray, okay? Uh, I want us to think about, I want you to ask, your, ask yourself a question. Um, 
am I really pursuing God in a way that I'm waiting on God to speak before I take off and do stuff? Is is the career that I'm in, is the plan that I'm walking in right now in my life, is it God's plan or is it just logic and reason? And, you know, is there some things in my life that God's told me to do that I've not been obedient in? And that's, that's for all of us, anybody in here, it doesn't matter who you are. If there's something you really are com- you know, confident that God's been speaking to you about, have you been obedient to that? And I think today's a good time to just surrender that to God as we pray and worship. You just say to God, God, I, I want you to have that. But then also, don't, don't not take an opportunity to ask God the hard question today, the one you don't want to ask. God, do you want me to do that? Just ask him. Do you want me to do that? you want me to do what they did? Doesn't mean quit your job necessarily it just means do you want me to, to spend my life doing doing your work and i'm ready i'm right I'm, I'm ready i'll go on that journey if you want me to to just say that to god if you're there i think today's a good day to say that on the heels of this testimony because it won't be long before you'll forget this if you're not walking in it yourself so god has a great plan awesome plan and there's god has a ministry a way of expanding the ministry of this church by us sending you out uh, so go ahead and ask ask today i'm not scared for you to be gone too scared you know although the ones that are going to go are probably the ones that are the best leaders the strongest uh, disciples, the best givers i know that but it's worth it it's worth it to us it's worth it to you to, to ask god the hard question today so let's pray and then we'll worship him father thank you for uh for you for who you are and who we are in you god we are you're your adopted sons and daughters we are loved by you uh father that's who we are and you are good always god your ways are perfect lord what you accomplish in us uh whether we give in quickly or we we go reluctantly father it's always for our good and so god i just pray today that you will deal with our hearts that you'll use the story that we've heard and the testimony and the, the rich journey of seven years of life that um the Funderburks have experienced and God, that you'll use it in our lives today. Help us to surrender to you whatever it is we need to surrender. God, as we worship you today, let our worship be um, be about surrender. God, let it be in our hearts to give to you what you want. And Father, uh, just, just show us again how trustworthy you are. You've done it so many times in this body, and I thank you for that. But show each of us individually today, uh, Lord, how good surrender is. And help us to do that in Jesus' name.